Embiid says him and James can't do it alone. John Moran is skipping out on those breathing techniques, and it is the return of the bubble. My name is John Cison. I'm an, I'm the host filling in with for the most, Jerosa Panta. This is the Clinic All NBA podcast. I have the two hooligans with me. JJ, how you living, my friend? Hey man, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. I'm appreciative of Steph Curry. Uh, sad, but that the playoffs done with the Warriors, but that's how it is, man. I'm sorry, man. I know how it feels. <laughs> Sammy, how you living, my friend? Man, I can't complain. It was an interesting battle watching you guys go at it this week, but I guess to the victor goes the spoils, and that's why you're hosting this week. Carry on. That I guess, man. I got I got the golden ticket over here. That is my prize. Well, guys, I want to talk about the semifinal closeout games. We had three of them, one of them being a game seven. And I'm going to start off with the 76ers. And I'm actually not even going to say what the score was because it's really that embarrassing. Sorry, Philly, Philly fans. But they got absolutely demolished by the by the Boston Celtics. And it was just, man, like you were expecting a lot more from Joel Embiid. You were expecting a lot more from James Harden. They did not come through. The role players didn't play well. We thought it was going to be competitive, and it was for the first half, but then they just blew wide open, the Celtics. And I wanted to ask you guys, now that that game is over, the Boston Celtics are moving on to the semi, uh, the semi, the, so, excuse me, the conference finals. And we'll talk about that in a little bit, but what do you guys think about the 76ers? What are your thoughts on their future? I know there's talk about James Harden possibly going back to Houston. There are, there are now talks of Joel Embiid possibly getting traded, which to me is a little crazy, but I wanted to get your thoughts. I'm going to start it off here with Sammy. So it's interesting to look at this team in hindsight and kind of have this repository because they they brought in Harden. And if you if you recall, when they first brought him in, there was like a 10 game stretch there where I think he kind of lit the world on fire with Embiid. And there was a thought that they were going to be this amazing pair and then he fell back off. And I actually thought in this series that he seemed to find a nice niche between Maxi and Embiid, more as a distributor and the third scoring option who could take over one when he'd be, but he had such a fluctuating series. I think game one and four, he went off for 45 in game one and 30 something in game four. And then game two and game three, he shot like five for 28 combined. In game seven, well, well, well. pulled James Harden in game seven, which is now a full-on track record. There's a lot of smoke to him leaving, though. So if you're looking at that, you kind of have to figure out what his life look like without him. I actually think Maxi could fill his shoes pretty well, but the fit here was a little bit odd. They need a little more defense. They need a little more wing shooting. So I think this starts obviously with with Harden's decision and. I know teams are adamant that you're going to hold your assets no matter what, and they're going to offer him probably a four-year, $230 million deal. But I see that going down the road of Embiid actually wanting out. I don't think that's going to happen this year, but if Harden's increasing returns like this, do either of you guys see this just going really bad really fast within two years with Embiid wanting out? I mean, he could be the next Dame. I don't know if that's going to pay off dividends, though. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you guys think is the move then, JJ? Like, my question to you is, what do you think their move is? Do you think they should stand pat and try to get a few more pieces? Do you think they were close? I mean, they were literally had two chances. They should have won game six at home. So what are your thoughts on that, JJ? The one thing that I'll give props to Daryl Morey is that he doesn't like to stay stagnant, John. 
He's super aggressive and he's willing to bet the house now to at least try to win. And that's what I appreciated him with what he did with the Rockets and what he's doing with the 76ers. And I know that Sammy, you kind of blame Harden, rightfully so. I'm gonna go my route now. I'm gonna blame Embiid. You're gonna talk about this whole narrative last summer about not winning the MVP and how you're gonna make this MVP push. How about talking about winning championships? Remember a few months ago, John, we had that little segment about Hakeem saying that Embiid's not the guy, it's Jokic because Embiid doesn't play like a true center. This series proved Hakeem right. You had Embiid doing these crazy fadeaway jumpers, going weak to the rack, shooting threes, which I think is a cop-out than using your force inside. How about this, gentlemen? James Harden and Joel Embiid, game seven, made eight field goals. You know how many turnovers they had? Nine. They had more turnovers than made field goals. That is embarrassing. That is like what Sammy said, game seven Harden, and that is not an MVP caliber player. Sorry, not sorry, Joel Embiid. Yeah, and that, that's a great point to my my next question for you guys because we, we talk about the blame game, right? We talk about James Harden and Joel Embiid, however you want to spin it. They're both their best players by far, right? Well, arguably, Tyrese Max is up there. He's up and coming. But I want to talk about a quote that James that uh, Embiid had in post game. So this is him after the game. Me and James can't win alone. That's why basketball is played five on five. We need everybody to find ways to be better. And Dame Lillard actually tweeted a response to this. Huh? That was his response. And I think this gives a little to give a little context. James Harden in this game had 41 minutes, nine points, three of 11 from the field. Joel Embiid had 38 minutes, 15 points, and five of 18 from the field. So you, I think you can understand the confusion and the uh, wondering what the heck Joel Embiid is talking about. So I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that. Do you align with Dame's sentiment here about Embiid's comment? I mean, I do. Like, how are you gonna one? inspire any sort of confidence in your teammates that you're the leader who's going to accept blame when you clearly didn't play well to attract other free agents if they're looking at it like well when things go bad this dude's gonna throw me under the bus like how do you how do you want to play for a guy or with a guy like that you know and this is his not first rodeo to do that sammy exactly like what are you thinking and it's interesting he says that and connecting to that and this is not exactly directly related to that but i kind of think it is there's a lot of smoke with Harden leaving i don't know if he's going to be there so if that's the case you're going to need to replace him and i don't know how comments like this are going to help him out but i think that's obviously the question hanging over this whole offseason oh do you agree jj yeah i mean i wouldn't want to play with Embiid, especially if my Star player only scored two points in the second half of a game seven when they needed him the most. But like I just said, it's not his first rodeo putting players underneath the bus, especially his own teammates. He did this with Ben Simmons. I mean, I don't know if that was justified, maybe, but you can't inspire people like that. And just to be frank, I'm sure two other people on his 
roster scored more than him. So mm -hmm. Embiid, I wouldn't talk. Right. And I guess my final thought on this would be, to me, the second best player on this team is not James Harden at this point, at least based on performance that we saw at Tyrese Maxey. Do you guys agree with that to start? Yes. Yeah, okay. I think I would agree with that, too. If that's the case, to me, the, the key next year is I'm going to go right now and say I think Harden leaves. So let's say he does, right? That's the case. I think the move next year is clearly to make Maxey the point guard and a little more ball dominant. And then you find a player to play off of him. So that being said, just a quick, quick thought on something I just threw together in the in the trade machine. Right now you have a $37 million starting power forward in Tobias Harris, who plays his role fine, but clearly is overpaid for what he does, right? Well, they need to fill in and find another guard that can score. Almost dollar for dollar, it's an even trade. You can trade him straight to Washington for Beal, add a pick or two. Washington shaves three years off of salary commitments and about $200 million. Would either of you make that trade from either side? Just wanted to throw it out there. Ooh. Either side. I, I like that for Philly. Okay. I agree. I like that with for Philly. Okay. For Washington, it's more like, you know what? We just realized we're playing Bradley Beal $50 million three years from now, and this will get us out of that cap commitment and open up our sheet. And we'll get a couple picks out of Beal. Let's call it two first-round picks, probably like top five protected. I think gets it done. Yeah. Well, Sammy, we always appreciate the hypothetical trade wow. rumors here from you. I know that you've been clicking all day on that ESPN trade machine, so we appreciate it. Trust but the process. I am going, I'm going, exactly, trust the process. <laughs> I mean, people's patience are definitely wearing thin out there in Philly, I'll say that. But it'll be interesting to see how they, what they do moving forward. So I'm going to move us on to our next team here, and I have to send my advanced apologies to JJ and to Rosa Panta, our host here at the clinic who is not able to attend but my next team as if you can guess obviously is the golden state warriors and they were eliminated by my los angeles lakers i'm going to reserve speaking too much here otherwise jj is going to jump to the screen and strangle me but i want to talk about the warriors now they lost to the lakers 101 122 in the closeout game in game six in la and from the beginning of the season, right, there were a lot of things wrong with the Warriors, I think. There was a lot of inconsistencies. Obviously, there was the punch from Draymond to Jordan Poole that got leaked. There was Andrew Wiggins, who had to leave for reasonable and understandable reasons for his family um, towards the latter half of the season and into the playoffs. He came back. Their depth was questioned ad nauseum. And Despite all of that, all of the pundits and all of the experts and a lot of people were saying that the Warriors were going to turn the switch on and win it all and beat the Lakers. And I'm not trying to rub, you know, salt on the wound. I'm just, that was the fact. And so now that this, the, the series is over and the, the Warriors are eliminated, there are a lot of questions. And I wanted to get your guys' thoughts. And I'm going to start off here with Sammy first, who has the more impartial view. What are your thoughts on the core? And I think that's the biggest question, the elephant in the room. Do you think that the Warriors are going to keep their core intact? Or do you think one of those pieces, maybe two, are going to be try to be moved 
maybe they can't come to a contract extension agreement and they're going to move next. There's a few expiring contracts. I understand that. So, Sammy, what do you think the Warriors are going to do? And also, I'm going to I'm going to two parts of this. What do you think the Warriors should do? Okay, so I don't think it's an overstatement to say that this is a bit of a crossroads offseason for the Warriors. The reason I say that because as we've we've talked about, Draymond has a player option for about 27 and a half. The largely held belief right now is he's going to opt out. Now, in addition to that, Clay is extension eligible, but he's making 43 million this year. And unfortunately, sad to say it, based on the performance in the playoffs and at the end of this year, they can't extend him at that number. There's just no way it makes feasible sense. So you're at a crossroads now where for the front office, are you paying for past performance? And are you giving these guys kind of the curtain call at that number? Or are you going to try to go into a new future and rebuild this team while you probably have maybe call it two, three years of Steph Curry's prime left? So to me, you're making some hard decisions. I look at it with Draymond to start, I personally would offer him three for 75, take it or leave it. That's roughly what he's making now. If he wants to make more than that, then you know what? You appreciate the contributions, and I know it would be hard for fans and the front office to see him in another uniform. But the end of that contract, if he's making, let's call it three for 100, like if a Detroit or someone pays him that, it's going to be rough. It's going to be really rough. And right now, if the Warriors run it back as is, the, the tax bill, never mind the cap, the tax bill is going to be $250 million next year. I don't care how rich an owner is. That's a lot of money for a 45-1 team. So we have to observe that reality, right? Uh, Clay, if he wants to come back, like this one's going to be the rough one. I think you offer him a short-term extension, but it's got to be what? Realistically, 25 at most. Also, just based on performance. And then, of course, the, uh, the gigantic punched-in-the-face elephant in the room is Jordan Poole. So his extension starts next year. I think certain teams would still value him, um, but you're looking at very specific teams. You're looking at young teams with cap space to burn, so you're not making an even dollar for dollar trade. Uh, so that being said to me, when I look at what I think they will do to answer your question, John, I I think they'll make a trade a little more on the, on the margins. And when I say on the margins, I think Kuminga could be gone. Clearly, he's not happy. I think they'll explore a pull trade. I'm 50-50 on whether they'd actually pull the trigger. What would I do is what I described to you. I'd offer Clay, a sh I'd offer Clay and Draymond almost the exact same extension, three for 75. If they don't want it, then I just think either way, you, you have to make the move and move on. And clearly the Warriors front office, I know they're gonna have some nostalgia, but I think this is a very aggressive front office and looking toward the future. So I think those are the moves that I would make. Okay, that's fair. Now, JJ. After you wipe away the disappointment of this season, tell me what do you think the Warriors will do and what do you personally think the Warriors should do? Uh, to me, I think, and I hate saying this, but what I think they'll do is what your Lakers did, John, which is build value for Jordan Poole. And the Lakers did that with Russell Westbrook. They actually got a really great return when you think about it that return on investment of that trade is paying off right now where in the beginning of the season no one including you did not want Russell Westbrook on that roster right 
True, so, very true, yes. Even though the fan in me say says trade Jordan Poole, I don't see it happening and they can't trade him until after July 1st, which is after the draft. The probably best uh, time to trade would be free agency or the draft. If it's after July 1st, the Warriors are going to be in a conundrum and they got to just build off um, the roster from there. Um, Steven Chenzo, they're not going to be able to re-sign him because of the new CBA. That's a new middle exception that we talked about. So what can they do? I like what Sammy said. They have Kaminga. Kaminga's about to meet with his representatives and the Warriors to talk about his future role. But it's like the Warriors could say he's the future, which they have been saying. But I am just speechless of how, dare I say it, Steve Kerr has handled this whole year. And I'm a huge Steve Kerr fan. I mean, this dude won us four championships, but let's be real. You have Moody, did not play weeks, DNPs for weeks. And then you're gonna say all of a sudden, hey, let's go guard you. Let's let's have you match up with LeBron one-on-one, right? And then you have Kaminga averaging 20 minutes per game the last two months or while Wiggins was out. And then when we desperately needed a body on LeBron James while he was beating the crap out of Clay down low, he gets DNPs. This whole season should have been the liaison between the youth and the old and developing the youth. But Steve Kerr, for whatever reason, is in love with Ty Jerome and Anthony Lamb. And for the love of whoever you believe in, please explain to me why was that the case? I'm emotional. I don't. I, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> uh, to just to, to to comment on that, I don't know if because putting in a guy after not playing him for so long, sometimes that works. And my case is Lonnie Walker. That's true, man. He did not play for half the season. They brought him in. And I think it's just about the person, the player, staying ready and also how they, maybe how they fit into the system. And honestly, like, I do understand Steve Kerr deserves some of the blame, but I just think the roster construction and all the distractions were just too much to overcome. And the Lakers, the Lakers weren't a great matchup. I'll be, uh, you know, yes. I think a lot of people can sit, can look at that matchup and say that was not a good matchup for the Warriors at all. But before you wrap it up, John, and I obviously agree. I've, I said this before the, the series started that the Lakers will give us problems. But I wanted to give you props, man, because you said that that punch, like it was going to take its toll on the team. And I think us Warrior fans, we felt like now nah, it's the Warriors. They could overcome anything. But we've always said on the clinic, it's defense. It's an MVP caliber player and it's chemistry that wins championships and that punch affected the chemistry yeah it's hard man i mean like to be like to not and i'm not a jordan paul apologetic but if that happened to anybody one of us and it was just publicized and it was not it was a legitimate punch and for whatever reason maybe it was justified maybe jordan Poole said something way out of pocket we don't know but that's hard to overcome when it's so publicized when it's talked about at ad nauseum when it's going to be subconscious even subconsciously right so yeah i'm gonna i i know it's a, it's tough to continue to talk about this jj so i appreciate it the warriors have a lot of questions 
but they still have one of the greatest shooters of all time. Actually, I'm sorry, the greatest shooter of all time. And when you have a top 10 player, arguably, but I think he is at this point, in the game of all time, you always have a chance. So that's something to look forward to. But I am going to move us on to our last team here, guys. The Phoenix Suns, who made the splash trade of the year midseason in acquiring Kevin Durant. They gave up a lot. And for, for months on end, I think we talked about it. Experts talked about it. The one concern that we had about the Phoenix Suns was their depth. And if you look at the box score, if you look game to game, they did not get help. Kevin Durant didn't get help. Devin Booker got, didn't get help. Chris Paul got hurt, which is under, we understand that. But again, that's not really surprising, right? DeAndre Ayton, mentally, whatever, for whatever reason, it could be the, the conflict that he had with Coach Monty Williams in the past couple of years. It could be the contract extension that he did not receive and they had to, the Sun just ended up matching. So he got one less year. All of those things combined, I think played a part, but for me, it was their depth. And I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on what went wrong with the Suns this year and then what do you think they're going to do moving forward? And I'm going to start off this, this session with, with JJ. What went wrong? Well, you touch, you hit the nail on the head. It's obviously the depth, but you could tell even from the beginning of the year, John, that we talk about chemistry. And didn't we all think that it was weird that Monty Williams did not clear up the air with Aiden, one of his star players? Right, Sammy? Yes, 100%. And it's like, you're the coach. <clears throat> Aiden's to blame. He played like garbage last year against that infamous map series, but you have all summer. And to even state to the public, I haven't talked to Aiden for a while now. I think that's kind of embarrassing as a coach. I don't know, Sammy, what do you think about that? Do you think it's the chemistry or what? I think it's definitely related and that 100% didn't make sense because the way they went out in game seven last year and I'm sure we all have that picture of Luca looking up at Booker and smiling, which for the record, I thought was hilarious. Um, that was like burned into our brains, right? And then they went out the same way this year again with Aiden actually not playing at all this time. And it just, it, that part felt a little off. And then I think the media and, and, and the fans and all of us on some level. Uh, you just see the big names and you just get attracted to it right away, right? So they bring in Durant and it's like, that'll cover up for your problems. What happens when you have injury prone players and you're top heavy? You get campaign and Jock Landale starting in an elimination game and you'll lose by 30. That's what happens. No offense to campaign who's actually and I don't mean this sarcastically at all, the best player for the Suns in that elimination game. He actually played better than anybody else. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they clearly need depth. I do think it was a trigger reaction to fire Monty Williams. I do not agree with that decision at all, despite the Aiton uh, issue that we just had. But this is also what happens when you have a brand new owner wanting to make that splash. I mean, he came in and you could partially blame him for clearing the depth. Because it was out there that James Jones did not want to put Mikal Bridges in that trade. And Bridges and Cam Johnson went, man, those guys would have been useful against uh, Denver. So I, I do think that they're going to try to replenish the depth. I don't think it's a hot take to say that Chris Paul and Aiden will probably not be on this team next year. And there's been an obvious target length. I think uh, we referenced it here a little bit. 
there seems to be a little smoke around a sign and trade involving Kyrie and a potential trade of Kyrie and Tim Hardaway for Aiton and Paul works under the cap depending on the number that Irving is signed for. I will tell you now that I think that trade would create an absolute hot mess out of Phoenix and I am here for it as a Pacific Division <laughs> fan. Uh, so yes. that's that's what I see happening. And I, the, the irony of that is if they make that deal, I actually love that deal for Dallas. I think it fills a lot of holes that they have because Chris Paul will not be the one with the ball in his hand and can play off ball and doesn't have to carry the load. So that's that's where I see this for Phoenix. I think the depth is the obvious issue, but they better nail this coaching hire if you're firing Monty Williams. So that's where I stood on it. I'm not a fan of the firing, and I just I think there's an obvious solution here, and they bypassed it as a result maybe of a new owner. JJ, do you think that... Do you think Chris Paul's window for winning a championship is over? And you can smile and show your true happiness if you like. That's totally fine. Yeah, I mean, we've said it over and over and over again, man, which is we look at patterns, John, patterns and behavior. And lo and behold, has there been, I'm, I'm not trying to be a jerk here, but has there been a season within the past decade that Chris Paul hasn't been hurt? When you need him. When you absolutely need Chris Paul to play. I'm legitimately looking that up right now because I'm, <laughs> I don't know. I No, I'm seriously curious. Yeah. That's a great question. I mean, people um, forgot that Chris Paul actually got injured against the Lakers in the first round as well in 2021. He that got was the hurt year that for they... The... Yeah. Go ahead, sorry. No, go. Uh, he got hurt for the Clippers, too. And remember that Rockets collapse that they had? He was hurt the first two games of that series. Also, he had a hamstring injury. He got it against San Antonio in round one. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. it's a clear pattern. It's it's a be, it's behavior. And it's just like, you could do all the load managing you want. But does load management even work now? That's, that's uh, even no. the question. Um, as the poster child for the team of load management... <laughs> It does not remotely work. I hate that term because we load managed our way right into knee injuries too the last three years. So, yeah, indeed, indeed. Carry on. Uh, yeah, you triggered I, I, me with that one. <laughs> Sammy's triggered everyone. Just, just FYI. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I personally, I just think the Kyrie thing would be a mistake. The mm-hmm. Suns need depth. Mm-hmm. And more than anything, it's not just about their depth being able to sustain a lead or build a lead when Kevin Durant and Devin Booker go out of the game. It's about not playing Kevin Durant 46 minutes a game, Devin Booker 46 minutes a game. That's not a recipe for success, and that's not that's going to get them injured. Seriously. So that's those are my thoughts. I think you guys are aligned with that. It's again, all of these teams, the Sixers, the Warriors, the Suns, they have a lot of questions. It's going to be a very interesting offseason. I think we all are aligned on that. So we'll see what they do. I'm going to move us on, guys, to our next topic. And I know this happened recently. And I cannot believe I'm saying it happened again. But it happened again. John Morant, for those of you who have been living under a rock. Where is John? The last couple of days, I believe. I think it was Saturday, if I'm not mistaken. He was shown again 
holding what appeared to be a gun from a freeze frame. As one of his buddies was on IG Live, they were in a car, presumably in, in Memphis, and they're dancing to, I believe, to Young Boy. And yeah, young Boy. Young Boy, yeah. I, listen, I'm not familiar with his music. I'm not going to hate on anybody who likes it. But personally, it's not for me. I don't know about you guys. But anyway, that's that's doesn't matter. What matters is that John Moran was caught again the second time in the last four or five months where he was caught holding a gun. Now, there was a complete uproar all over the news, all over the media, and things transpired quickly. So now John Moran was suspended from all team activities. I don't know what kind of team activities are happening when you're in Cancun. But he was suspended from all activities, and there has yet to be a more definite penalty for him at this point. But there is one that is going to come, most most likely, more likely than not. I think 100% de- definitively. And so I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on one: what's going on with John Moran, man? Like, put your feet in the I guess in the shoes of John Moran and what is the one thing that he need that I if you're him that he needs to do to rectify the situation and two what do you guys think the punishment that the NBA is going to hand to him you got to be a Which stupid come, yes exactly <laughs> should be coming shortly here and I'm going to start off with Sammy all right so one He's clearly still a 23-year-old kid that I'm not justifying because this is a very stupid decision. He already got disciplined once, did it again. He has always been around friends that I assume have never known how to say no to him because he's probably always been the standout of the group. Everyone wanted to be hang along for the ride. His friend who put him on IG Live is an absolute idiot. Let's just be real about that too. And I think sometimes these players don't understand. Like, Jaw's an amazing talent. Pure encore talent, he's clearly a top 10 player in the league. I don't think that's a question, personally. But almost all these players don't get that the NBA is a business, at least when they make mistakes like this. Not all players in general, players who act like this. The NBA is a business. This is not about your right to, like, own a gun or do whatever. Mm-hmm. This has nothing to do with that. The NBA is a business, and they have a very specific way that they want to be represented by the players in the league. And with the exception of very few players, they will survive without you. Like, Jaw needs the NBA more than the NBA needs Jaw, and it feels like he doesn't totally understand that right now. And I don't know what it will take for him to figure that out. I assume that the suspension... I've heard... Uh, rumors about a whole season. I don't think it's going to be that much myself. John, I think you actually suggested half a season. I could see it being something along that. I think Adam Silver, when it comes to this particular issue, like with with guns and that representation is going to be harsh. I imagine the absolute minimum being 20 games, but I think 40 is more likely. Will that get him in line? I don't know, because let's be real. If he didn't get suspended this year, he would have made All-NBA, and by not making it, he already cost himself $30 million. So if losing $30 million didn't get it through your head that you need to make changes, like even if it's just superficial how you present yourself and your image, then is the suspension really going to help with that? And honestly, I don't know. JJ, what do you think? You got to be a stupid mother... <laughs> That's what JJ thinks. He's just going to replay that sound bite. <laughs> 
over and over again. <laughs> Guys, I have this ethical question and it's kind of like, would you rather, you know those questions that you ask your girl on a date or like you ask your friends when you're born and it's just like, would you drop a friend or your best friend for $30 million? Sammy, you hit the nail on the head. The, it's all self-inflicted from your IG post, man, which is the most idiotic part. And Shannon Sharp said this on his show, which is like, it was his own post, man. It's his bro. It's his friend's post. And it's like, you need to cut these people out of your life. If they don't, it's, uh, if they don't contribute any positive value, then why are you hanging around them? But the other side of it is, can you really cut out your best friend, even though you don't agree with their lifestyle? And John Morant, I know you said he's 23. He's 23. He's an adult. No one in the world has any sympathy for his decisions now. As they shouldn't. I As will they say shouldn't. That. Yeah. Because guess what? Everyone has their own issues. And sorry, no one is going to feel sorry for a quote unquote an oppressed millionaire. There's a quote I think of bad company corrupts good character. And. Mm -hmm. I know firsthand because I'm friends with Sammy and JJ and, and <laughs> Ro. I was very no, I'm kidding. That's that's a joke. But that quote kind of, it, it kind of for me, it, it just <laughs> it's so telling about the situation. And I've heard on the, I was listening to a podcast earlier in the day, or it might have been a sports show, where they said somebody said, "Well, Jaw's not breaking the law, so what's the deal here, right?" Because I think in Tennessee they're having they have different laws about firearms etc etc but in they made another great counterpoint to that where you cannot you can do something and not break the law but that that, that doesn't mean that your private employer cannot punish you or fire you Absolutely. like if i look up dirty mm. videos online for work i'm not breaking the law but I, there's a very good chance that i'm probably going to get punished and fired so there's to me there's that's not a, the correlation right that doesn't it, it doesn't matter like, right. yeah, he may not have been breaking the law, but he's still acting not in the best interest of the NBA, like Sammy said. And they have an Im image to uphold. They have their shareholders to speak to, to, you know, that they're going to have to meet with and to meet, make numbers and all of these things. So I think we can all align on here on this, this John, Mar John Moran situation. It's like, man, fool me once, shame on me. Or shame on you, but fool me twice, shame on me. It's like... Is he going to learn his lesson or is it always going to be too late? And, you know, hopefully he's an all-world talent, guys. We, we we love watching him on the court, but his off-the-court antics makes it so hard to support him and root for him, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's sad, man. It's He was like, the Grizzlies were the league's darling not so long ago. Now, and I hate to say this, but... I think everyone could agree that they might be the most hated team now. Yeah, although when Dylan Brooks leaves, that'll that'll change a little bit. Um, so, just gonna throw that out there. But no, for sure. I mean, beginning of last season, we were talking about Jaws, a potential MVP candidate, and how he was one of our favorite players on this podcast. And man, the narrative has turned fast, and all of a sudden, Memphis's future, which looks so bright, 
just 12 months ago is really in flux. It's like, who knows what, what happens with them now? Like, have they had enough of this? Are they going to trade them? I don't think they can right now, but John's prediction the... that it's like 42 games. The Grizzlies may not even make the playoffs next year. Right. They, and the... they do play really well without him, though. So the question also becomes and I, I don't want to like turn this to all another topic, but if if like analysts out there, someone says trade him, well, who's going to take him for more than like 30 cents on the dollar? And then that opens up a whole other conversation. His trade value is beyond shot right now. Jordan if Fultz. you even wanted to go down the road. <laughs> so this is all a plan by the Lakeups. Okay. Figured it out. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, the one name that comes to my mind, and I know it's not a comparable situation, but like, you don't, Delonte West, you know, you don't want someone to go down that road and do something as great. And I don't think that's, I think Delonte West has, has more mental issues more than anything, but ultimately it's like, you don't want to see something like that happen. So hopefully right. he does a 180, but again, like actions speak louder than the words. So we're not going to give him, the, I, I personally am not going to give him the benefit of the doubt until I see actual change like you can talk all you want you can go to a 48 hour facility and say that you're a different person but to me it's like i want to see it right. anyway guys i'm going to take us to our very last topic here and this is kind of a rapid fire prediction we are finally here in the western and eastern conference finals four teams are left one of them being mine i don't want them to be the state champion i want them to be the nba champion but again i want to your impartial thoughts i want to get your guys predictions here and i'm going to start us off with the eastern conference we have the miami heat versus the boston celtics a repeat rematch of 2020 in the bubble what do you guys think who is going to come out on top and in how many games i'm going to start off start us off here with sammy god i want to take the heat i want to take the heat so bad but i can't do it um I will say Celtics in six. I just think they you match up too well with the Heat, but <laughs> okay. I'm hoping that he pull it up, but that's my thought. Uh, Celtics, Celtics in six? I'm going to go Celtics in six, yes. Okay. JJ? I'm going to say Heat in seven. I'm actually surprised of the Celtics' play of late just because they didn't really look sharp against a messy, unorganized Doc Rivers runs uh, Sixers. And that, that says a lot. If you you have to go to Game Seven with Doc Rivers, and you're the Celtics. That's a problem. So take the heat in seven. <laughs> the Doc Rivers disrespect here is some. I'm all here for it. I'm. I'm I'll say it, leave it at that. Okay, as I, we all are. Look, and I'm not just saying this because the Boston Celtics. I you know how much I despise that team, that franchise. Like, oh no. come on. But. No, I'm going to, oh no, God. and this is going to support my decision here. I am taking the Miami Heat in seven. I'm with JJ. Ooh. And the Heat did not have Kyle Lowry in 2020. And he, I know he's older, but he comes up and he's been coming up in the playoffs. He's been doing a lot of damage. And I think that's why the Miami Heat are my team to make the, Eastern, the, the NBA Finals out of the Eastern Conference. All right, guys. And finally, without further ado, last but not least, the Western Conference Finals. My Los Angeles Lakers versus the number one seeded Denver Nuggets. Who do you got and in how many games, JJ? Oh, man. 
I keep going back and forth. Um, I have recency bias though, just because AD, his defense has been on point, John. But he is going against Jokic, and I know this is a cop-out answer, but Jokic versus AD, is this like the dream matchup for the Western Conference Finals? I would say so. Um, Just uh, say it. I won't get mad at you, I promise. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm going to have to... Just because of home 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 court, court, I might have to go Nuggets in six. Okay. Well, the, that would that would mean they would have to beat the Lakers at in LA. In LA. Oh, and they've been undefeated in LA though, right? The I'm Lakers not have. sure. Yeah, yeah, they have. But I think the, I don't yeah, think the, that matters. I personally don't think that matters much. The record prior to to the season the series. Okay, so you got Nuggets in six, mm-hmm. Sammy. Nuggets in three. No, um, <laughs> I, I, I do think this is going to be a great series, but as good as Davis has been, Jokic in that Phoenix series was just playing on another level. I think I say this with shaky confidence. I think this goes the distance and home court decides it. So I'm going to go Nuggets in seven and a, in maybe the best series of the playoffs. I think this is going to be a great series to watch. Okay. Guys, what kind of fan would I be, right? If I chose the Nuggets, so there's no no way in. No, I will not say it. There's no way in <laughs> he double hockey sticks. I am going to take the Nuggets, and I honestly believe that the Lakers can pull this off. And the reason I say that is because they match up well, man to man. But I think one of the things that they're gonna give they're gonna give Jokic issues, what they gave Steph Curry and Klay Thompson issues, is they're going to attack them. Jokic isn't known to be the most, I want to say durable, but his conditioning, he gets, he's, he's a bigger guy, obviously the altitude in, in Denver, Colorado, but I think having guys like D'Angelo Russell, Dennis Schroeder, Austin Reeves, LeBron James that can run the pick and pop with Jokic's man, put him in those positions to play defense, and then the Lakers are a top three team in pace, I think they're going to run up and down the court every chance they get and make the Nuggets... Um, do something that they don't like to do, which is run the run back and forth down the court. So I think I'm going to go Lakers in, in six. Same as the, last, the first two series. And that is my prediction. I'm sticking with it. And we will see what happens. But I'm super excited, guys. And that is actually all of the time that we have for this episode. I want to thank you guys for being on. JJ, thank you so much for being on. Thanks, brother. Appreciate everybody. Likewise. Sammy, thank you so much, man. Always good to be here, man. Always good to be here. Awesome and shout out RJ to our video. Uh, shout out to RJ, our video producer. Check out our YouTube channel. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. Like us on our Facebook group page, The Clinic All NBA Podcast, and follow us on Twitter at Clinic All NBA. And come find us wherever you get your podcasts. Have a good night.